0: They buried me in the ward, and I came out new. <laughs> now I'm baptized in blue. I'm a fighter. I'm a winner. Never quit. I refuse to lose. I got heart and I got grace. I'm a warrior
1: Just has been baptized in blue. I'm a warrior that's been baptized in blue. I'm I'm a fighter.
2: Welcome to the Changing the Culture podcast with your host, me, Autumn Clifford. This is the only self-help podcast hosted by a female cop. I want to welcome you. If you loved that intro, then I want you to go to the end of my podcast and make sure you listen to that music, that tune. It's called Baptized in Blue by One Time Music. He's a fellow police officer. You can find him anywhere you can listen to um, music. He's amazing. I'm really excited to have you here. I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Danielle, I am so excited to finally have you on the podcast. Can you please introduce yourself to Sheepdog Nation?
3: Yes. Hi, everybody. My name is Danielle Agnolad. I am an ex-police officer with the Atlanta Police Department. I was in Zone 1, which is Bankhead. So if you know anything about Atlanta, you know Buckhead. This is the opposite. This is Bankhead uh, for about eight years. And I've been off the department uh, since 2018. Right now, um, I'm an author, and I have my own clothing line. Girl, you're an author. What's the book? Tell us about it. So the book is called God Locked Out. And uh, it's about just my experience and my relationship with God, which is very complex and weird and (laughs) all over the place. And uh, for a long time, I thought I was the only one like, hey, everybody else has this relationship or they don't have a relationship or they don't believe. And they're like set at what they believe. And I'm all over the place. I don't know if I believe. Um, Do I believe? So just went through a lot of things. So that book is kind of me. You know, people seeing me walk through that journey um, of wrestling with God, wrestling with myself, and coming out on a side of um, being sure about what I believe.
2: I love that. And so, so i locked out. Where can we get that? Where do we find that?
3: Oh, it's on my website. So um, dot com. You can find it there. And so you
2: have a company now.
3: Yeah, yeah
2: called love billboard love
3: billboard yes so it's called love billboard um so a little bit about that um when i left the apartment, i went through depression um mm. not when i was it when i did i leave yet somewhere around that time i was going through depression like a deep depression yeah. and i went through depression in 2008 so this was in 2018 in 2008 while I was going through that depression, I went to the doctors, I got on the medication, everything that you know you're supposed to do um, when you feel depressed. In 2018, I had built a relationship with God and got stronger in my faith. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to do the medicine route. Not that that's bad. <laughs> not that that's, you know, Right. I, I shouldn't do that. But I said, I'm going to go through this battle, um, just me and God and and mm. see what happens. And I am not the most athletic person, but I heard something and I would say, it's God tell me to go jogging every day. Now I wouldn't tell myself to do that because I'd rather eat chips, you know, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. so I knew it wasn't me talking to me. I knew it wasn't the enemy, um, the devil talking to me because he's not going to tell me to do nothing, to be healthy. Right. Right. So so this must be God. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went and I went jogging every single day and I would see these. Built these random billboards like delta or like tire plus and it would say things like we got you or um just around the corner but it would make sense and it would inspire me in like a spiritual way but it would be these Mm. random signs so anyway that last day he told me to run I get back in my apartment collapse on the floor like I said I was in a deep depression and he said you remember those signs that I showed you I need you to start a company and put on these t-shirts signs for other people because other people are looking for signs too. I want you to turn people into walking billboards of love, faith, and hope. That's it. Love, faith, and hope because that's all who I am. I'm not about, you know, am I this color? Am I that color? Am I? No, I'm about love. I'm about faith and I'm about hope. So we, I start putting those things on the, sh- the shirt and love billboard kind of blew up under my feet. So tell me about that. Like what happened? Yeah. So, um, again, like I said, I was going through that depression and 2020 hit Mm
1: -hmm. and this
3: is before coronavirus, right? Um, so 2020 hit and God was like, okay, I gave you this in 2018. Let's make this happen. So I had the prototype. I had the shirt, just one shirt. You guys, I bought this one shirt for $4 and 50 cent. I designed it on a friend's cricket machine. If you know what a cricket machine yes, is. Yes, yes. I designed it on a friend. I'm just listening like God, okay, you told me to leave the department and we can get to that. But we what will. am I gonna do now? Like, right. like I like like fighting. I like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I like what am I gonna do? <clears throat> so he said put the shirt out. So I put the shirt out and the coronavirus hit and I'm like, how am I gonna sell clothes in a pandemic? That shirt was four dollars and fifty cents and we're almost to a hundred thousand dollars our first year.
2: Oh my more money than more
3: money than I've made being a police officer. You know what I mean? And I'm and God is like, I told you, I got you. You know, and every I'm telling y'all, every month I'm like, oh my goodness, we got rent. (laughs) We we made rent, we got the car note, the lights are still on, and in a pandemic. So wow. that was just this testament to me. Like, okay, when I heard God say, leave the department, um, I heard, right. I heard, right.
2: That's amazing. And so, and what I love, so tell everybody where to go find it. Cause I bet everybody right now needs to go on Instagram. So where do we yes. go?
3: So it's shoplovebillboard.com, or you can go to my page and it's a link there. Um, We have love billboard. So just the word love billboard um, on Instagram or me, Danielle Tichet um, on Instagram.
2: I love it. And so here I am the other day and I'm scrolling and I see Eric that Eric Thomas, like the hip hop rapper, like the hip hop preacher, the the man, the guy who motivated me to get the fuck out of bed when I hit my depression (laughs) from being on the road.
3: And he's wearing your shirt. Crazy, crazy. Amazing. So he hit me up um, a few years prior, maybe like two years prior. He hit me up in a DM and he said, Hey, he said, God's got something for you. Keep pushing. And that was it. And I'm like, Oh my God like you know what I mean like who am I you know mm-hmm. and I'm like okay so uh, of course I just kept pushing because what else am I supposed to do yeah. and um when Love Billboard came out I let him know I said hey I got this shirt I think this is everything that you talk about and he says send me six of them <laughs> and he oh said I God. want them all here's my cash app he's I, I don't you don't even have to pay me I'm gonna pay you send me send me six of them yeah. and again that was that God wink for me like you do what I tell you to do. And I, and I got you, you know, cause I at, at yes. first I would look at, I would look at God. Like he's just, just all about restriction. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't this. You know what I mean? All yes. about restriction. Yes. And when I realized it wasn't restriction, it was protection just like any parent, you know what I mean? Like my dad would tell me like, don't steal the keys to my car, Danielle. And I'm like, <laughs> why? You right. know, why not? Right. Like, no. You know? But he was doing it because he loved me. So I had to I had to grow into my relationship with God to not look at him as only a master or only Lord, but actually a father who mm. is loving and caring. And I had to grow in that because, you know, at times I was I was mad at him because I'm like, I, I can't live this life. You, you know, I cuss. I, yeah. you know what I, mean? I cuss people out, I, whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh,
3: he was like, yeah. He said, and, and I love you and I love you.
2: Oh, so oh my goodness see yep. this is amazing and here's what I want to say so I am I am not what you would consider a Christian I am okay. somebody the way that I look at God is I believe like God is love definitely believe right it's just it might just look a little different but here's right yeah. here's what I love about what you just said as you just like that was like the biggest that was like totally the biggest thing Danielle is like I don't ever want to feel like I'm constricted, right? Or like, because sometimes, like you said, it just felt, it feels kind of like, well, you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. But the way that you're describing your experience is the complete opposite. It's
3: the the complete opposite because I learned God through people that so people don't dislike God. They dislike the carriers of the message. Yes. We as human beings, we suck. If I can say it, like we suck sometimes. We can be ignorant. We can be immature. We could, especially Christians. If you think of a Christian, the first word that you say, oh, I'm a Christian. And the first word that people usually think of is judgmental. Mm, yes. Jud- like, oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you're judgmental. You're going to yes. judge me because I'm this. You're going to judge me because I'm that. And it should not be like that. And that is not that is not the same God. The God that we are talking about is a God. He is a God of decency and order, but he is a God of love. First, he created us just like any parent has a child and they plan that child. They have that child because they want to love them and they want to give them life. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had to not, God said, get to know me for yourself and not from what everybody else says about me. Because when you meet me, I'm not going to ask you what they said. I'm not going to ask you what they did. It's going to be this personal relationship with me and you, and you're going to look me in my eyes and I'm going to look you in yours. And I want you to be able to get to know me for me. And I had to shut a lot of people out of my life for a moment, like pastors and preachers. And yes, I had to shut that Knowing even though people meant well, but I had to shut a lot of that out and just spend time with God. And if you look at the, the word, that's what Jesus did. Jesus went and spent that time alone. So Yeah, that's where that comes from.
2: Absolutely, and and so what I teach and what I do, um, as we meditate, I'm like, let's quiet, shut everybody out. Let's let's tune. I believe you can, in order to, you know, you gotta tune in, right? We have we really need to tune in. If you really want to stand out, you really want to get in line, align yourself with God, with the universe, with love. You you need to tune in, and so it sounds like that's what you did, and that's kind of how things have exploded.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm trying to find this. Let me see if I can find it really quick. So <clears throat> I think it's Joshua 1, 8, where it says meditate on the word day and night. Mm. And some people don't like the word meditation, but it's right there in the Bible. Mm-hmm. He says meditate on it day and night and meditate means like right now I'm just getting over COVID. And that was very scary, you yes. know, and then that caused an infection that I'm dealing with right now. Where I'm about to go see five doctors, you know, starting tomorrow, specialist on what I'm going through. And um, so when he said meditate on his word, I had to meditate on things like I will never leave you or forsake you, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to meditate on I gave you a future and a hope. Because if I get on Google, Google gonna tell me I got cancer and I got three days to live. Yes, yes, (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? I do. I had to go I had to learn to say let me go to God first before I go anywhere else mm-hmm. and then measure everything else up to that.
2: I love it. It's beautiful. So, thank you. I just want to tell you so one of my favorite shirts of yours and I I love is it says I don't know so it's the IDK ask Jesus. And I'm like, "Yes. Yes, <laughs> I don't know." I love
3: that. I love that. It's awesome. Yes. So yeah, well, Paul. Well, so Paul even said that in the word. And Paul was, you know, Paul was a, in the scripture. Paul was a murderer. He yeah. killed Christians. He then came to God and he wrote three-fourths of the Bible, right? So that just showed you how the mercy and forgiveness of God, because I think about myself and I'm like, yo, I'm horrible. And I'm reminded, like, oh yeah, um, Paul killed like so many people and God still used them. So I guess I'm cool. So anyway. <laughs> So Paul said, um, he was preaching to these people and he said, I don't know. And I think sometimes in Christianity, these pastors, preachers, teachers, and not trying to talk about them in a bad way, But they kind of stand on this pedestal as if they are people put them on a pedestal as if they know everything. Mm. And that's just not true. None of us know really anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like none of us really know. And it takes time and growth. And, you know, so when I put that shirt out, it was like, hey, because that's how people feel like, I don't know. And it's okay not to know. And it's okay to say, hey, I don't know, because I haven't lived your life. You can only tell me, you know, a little bit. But I know God knows. So you, you talk to him. So mm-hmm. that's where that came from, and that went. That's been doing our most popular shirt Is thus far.
2: It? I loved it. That that one, Thank I you? loved that shirt. It was a really cool shirt. Thank so, you. So Danielle, take me back. Now we're gonna go back. Okay. But I was just so excited. So I just want to put this out there. So, um, how I found you, I have, I literally, I'm gonna say to me that was God, the universe, because yes. I, here I am scrolling on. You know social media, and I'm going to be very honest. I, <laughs> I here's the deal: is so I'm really big about um, about mindset and overcoming, you know, any kind of adversity and persevering and really, you know, breaking through the bullshit, Danielle. Like yeah. that's it's yeah. really. I'm actually writing a book about it. So we, you know, that's really that the what title. About. Well, it might be. I don't know. I have a title. title. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> thanks, girl. I appreciate that. And uh, and so you know, and I'm, you know, I'm a police officer and I have my own story of like, you know, I got injured and all these things. And so like, I I started building this, you know, I started feeling like in your words, I heard God and I'm like, okay, like I I need to start this podcast. And the podcast started three years ago and I was just bitching. I was like, this is what it's like to actually be a cop. This is what it's like to be a female cop. This is what it's actually like, like admin sucks. And this is what it like, so I'm like, going on and, suck.
3: No. yeah, 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 yeah. And so
2: anyways, and I've been doing that for the last three years. And then I got to be honest with you, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little burned out of the negativity. Okay. Because I'm not a negative person at one time. I probably was, but I've really, I've really evolved and I've changed. And so I've really lost my oomph about having people on my podcast because I'm tired of the same old fucking conversations. Yeah. And so yeah here I am scrolling. I have no clue how I found you. I land on your page and it's like, you talked about how you were a cop and then like where you are now. And then I see how successful you are in business. And I'm like, I need to talk to her because you have a story, right? Like, and I want to talk, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about it. And for every first responder listening, the fucking job sucks. Okay. Like, especially now it just does. But, but the deal is, is the job isn't life. The job is not God. The job is not bigger than us. And, and so I just, I can't wait to just kind of dive in and, and see how like you hit your low, but you didn't let it keep you there.
3: Yeah. And I just really quick, I want to touch on something you said about the negativity. If you are doing the right thing, you should expect adversity. If you're doing the right, if everybody loves you, you have a problem. Yes. Because you are a people pleaser at that point. You're going to conform to what everybody wants to hear. And that's not how it goes. People need to hear. This is why people don't like the Bible or God, because it talks about things that's. Um, it talks about the tough stuff. Right. Yeah. So everybody wants to go to other religions or other things where it's just like positive vibes all the time. But that's not life life is not positive vibes all the time. So then you'll have somebody doing things and expect these positive vibes and it's just like that's unrealistic. So just like you know a, a game, a football game, I'm not a sports person at all, but a football game, basketball game, they come up against adversity, right? And when they get that, when they when they get there, that's when the work goes in and that's when it becomes a good game. So that's a you know a thing for you to encourage you when that negativity comes, you're like, you know what? I'm doing the right thing. I must be doing the right thing because people are listening. And even if it's that one person that's like, listen, this girl's changing my life. It's worth all the BS from Mm -hmm. everybody else who just wants to say something to feel validated in their point.
2: Yeah, so true. And you know what I tell people who are, who are going through that hard time and they're, and they're in like other people are shitting on them. I'm like, listen up other people only give a shit about like you for five minutes and then they're moved on to their next thing that they're all pissed off about. So like, don't, don't sweat it. And they're going to be over it as soon as they're done saying what they just said. They just need to feel that thing, whatever, move on. So beautiful point. And I, and I love what you said about, (laughs) if everybody likes you, you got a fucking problem because You you do. And I, yes, yes. And you know, in my life, the more authentic I am to myself, it's scary, right? Because, because yeah. I'm, you seem to be a lot like me where, you know, I'm out there. I'm like, this is who I am. And bitches who don't like it can be bitches. You know what I mean? I'm like, whatever. It is what it is. But it's
3: scary. Because it's like, you- I'm not the person for you. So we're not, I know on my social media, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. So yeah. somebody might follow the page and be like, you know what, I'm not feeling her anymore and unfollow the page or make a comment. Well, then I'm not, I'm not for you right now. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay. So you can leave or you can leave your comment, but that's okay. And it's all about also planting seeds. So I remember this one guy came to the page and he was upset about something that I said. And I'm telling you, maybe a year later, he follows the page again. And I'm like, oh, there he is. <laughs> you know, he disappeared. I know. And he says, you know, I'm sorry. He said, what you said was true. Um, What you said, I did experience that. And I I thought about you as soon as that happened for me in my life. And I was just upset and I was kind of projecting. And that doesn't usually happen. Those people don't come back. You know what I mean? But it was good that it came back for me because it showed me keep pushing, keep going, no matter who likes it or not. If you are in that truth, if you're walking in that truth, then you got you got a niche there. Absolutely. And it's not for everybody. So,
2: right. You're so right. And it's the best advice. It's the best advice ever because the more I'm myself, the more I piss the wrong people off, (laughs) but the more my people love me. That's right. You know what I'm I'm saying?
3: Because you're relatable. You're relatable. That's right.
2: I love that. So, Danielle, let's go back. So, tell me, I want to let's go back to why you got into policing. I want to hear, let's go right to the beginning.
3: The beginning. Okay. So, this DARE officer, do you guys remember DARE? Hell yes. (laughs) This their officer walks in the classroom and I look at him and I'm like, so I'm from this small little town. So he had this dare officer walk in the room and I'm looking at him like, oh my goodness, like he has a gun. He has a badge. Like he is cool. Right. So I'm like, this is what I want to do. And I remember I raised my hand and I, you know, he said, who all wants to be a police officer? And I raised my hand. I'm literally like the only one (laughs) who raised my hand. And um, this boy goes, you can't be a police officer. You look like a teacher. This is what he says to me as a young kid. And I'm thinking like, he said, like, you don't look like a police officer. So I go home and ask my dad and I'm like, yeah, do, do you think I'm a police officer? Now, my dad is a black man who um, has had many, many run-ins with the police. Like I've actually seen my dad physically fight an officer, like like swing on the officer and they fought. And if this would happen in other times, that officer could have killed my dad because my dad swung on him. So this is the, this is the guy, um, and I'm coming to, like, I want to be a cop. And he's like, <laughs> we don't like cops over here. <laughs> we, don't, we hate cops. So, but he was like, look, he said, um, he said, you do what God is telling you to do, right? He said, you do what God's telling you. So anyway, uh, I leave home at 17. I move here to Atlanta. I felt this thing inside of me that I felt like, yes, my life was important. But other people's life is more important to me. It was just weird feeling like I'm willing to put my life on the line because like I was the type of person that if if some two people were uh, arguing, I'm going to jump in. It don't have to have nothing to do with me. But if I see somebody doing somebody else wrong, okay, now you got two people to fight this person because I'm not about to sit here. I don't care who you are. I'm jumping in. So I said, well, how can I do that and get paid? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and then, you know, I went to the Atlanta Police Police Academy. How was the Academy? Ooh, I failed EVOC. <laughs>
1: That's, yeah, Evoc
3: I failed EVOC. The Academy, um, so I don't know if you know, but Atlanta Police Department got, like, some award for our, uh training by the obama administration mm-hmm. i think the training was very good they really taught us hands-on so they kicked our butt like they physically beat us up every day and taught like hey the first thing that you go to isn't your gun unless and you know what i mean but, and if you can go hands-on go hands-on so it really prepared us once we hit the street to uh to to go hands-on if that makes yes not be afraid to go hands-on that's one thing yes. Um so yeah, it was really good. It was good.
2: Is that what you consider a gentleman's academy or is it a live-in academy?
3: What what do you mean? Like, did you go home every night? Oh yeah, we went home every night. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I was just wondering, because like so I'm from Maine and every Maine police officer we go through an 18-week live-in academy. It's just oh, wow. it's, yeah it's like military so I can relate to getting my ass kicked and getting smoked at 3 a.m and you know Ooh. all that shit getting yeah my, my cadre I stuck out like a sore thumb and six, I, there was 60 cadets and for uh-huh. some reason I stuck out like a sore thumb and my cadre would pull me up in front of everybody at chow time and just just you know bust my ass about who knows Ooh. what I had a female cadre and she was like Clifford and I'm like, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And she's like, Are you high maintenance? And I'm like, ma'am, yes, ma'am. <laughs> if I would have said no, she'd have smoked me. She's like, every time I see you, your hair's a different shade. Because what happened? My hair was falling out because I bleached it blonde and it broke right before the academy so every weekend I had to like have all these like treatments done so we were trying to get it back to be normal anyways yeah so.
3: no though the same thing happened to me I stuck out I showed up with these nails on, ah! right these nails I was so happy when I could start wearing these nails again yeah um, full face of makeup and a weave you are right? so funny <laughs> and I'm sitting there my weave My makeup, and they're looking at me. And I remember I had one sergeant. She she said, "You are not going to make it." And I said, "Okay." I said, "Watch me." I said, "You're going to pin my badge on me." Good for you. And I didn't say that until after I um, finished the academy. It was (laughs) time to to do that. But I asked her. I said, "Hey, can you pin? Can you pin me? You know, do the ceremony because I wanted to show her. Don't judge a book by its cover. I made it through this academy not only once but twice because I got recycled.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because Evoc. Because Evoc, yeah, Evoc was hard for me too. Though I got to be honest, I didn't love it. Some people loved it, but I didn't. That wasn't fun for me. So so. count like what was? How long have were you a police officer?
3: For eight years. No shit, really. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, what was your experience like? Why why were you feeling like? Would you say burnt out or
3: what? what Do you think? Oh yes, I got burnt out. I mean, like the third year, Mm. it was. Uh, we were humping calls so we're zone like i said we're zone one it's it's known to be the worst department i mean the worst zone and it's like if you get put in zone one that's gonna be your career they're not gonna take you you're not gonna go anywhere else you're gonna be stuck in that zone because they just don't let people go once you're able to make it in that zone they're like okay i gotta keep you there so that's why i stayed there uh for so long and it's hard to get out it was just so tough like you know, as you know, just humping calls, not enough equipment. Our cars are catching on fire because yeah. they're old and they're just, they're going. Um, yeah. It was, it was, it was tough. The calls, it was nothing to have two homicides in a day. You really? know what I mean? Oh yeah. It was nothing or, or overdose or finding people dead in the house. um Like all the time, like it was, When we got it, we called it a 41, when we got a 41, we were like, oh, finally, you know, some people are like, I hate 41s, but we were like, look, as long as I don't have to call the medical examiner here and wait two hours for them to come, I'm good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
3: it was, it was very difficult in that way and emotionally, um, because like I said, when I started, I didn't have a relationship with God and I was struggling. I was also married at the time. Um, I cheated on my husband with an officer. So we ended up getting divorced, um, became an alcoholic. Like it was so bad that I would take off everything, you know, the vest. And I would take off as much as I could as soon as I got off work and head straight to the liquor store, go home, drink all night by myself, get up in the morning, go to roll call. And one morning uh, my sergeant was like, you need to go back home, obviously, because he smelled the liquor. Like, you need to go back home. But, you know, it was just, it was a lot.
2: It was a lot. What do you think you were numbing out, Danielle?
3: Um, all those things, like, you know, cheating on my husband. So my home life was very confusing. Um, He didn't understand, right? Because he wasn't a cop. So I felt like I relate more with this male police officer that I see more than him. Mm-hmm. so i'm like this is probably who i need to be with which was wrong mm-hmm. um and just the stuff that i seen i felt like me being a cop cop i was about to go out here and save the world y'all like i yeah. was about to be like the hero and i got out of here and was like i'm not making a dent and this paycheck is a thousand dollars what the yep. heck You know what yep. I mean? like so i'm true. not i felt like i wasn't making an impact and i was just being buried Right, and then I wasn't getting the support from the department. Um, it was just like, you better not stick out. Here's some keys. You better be here. Don't shoot anybody. Don't get shot. And that's basically it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it was tough. Do you think that?
2: Okay, I've got two questions. The first question sure. is: Is do you think that Atlanta did they prepare you for the emotional toll that you were about to go through?
3: Absolutely not. No. On a scale to one to 10, not even a
2: one. <laughs> no, that's common. At all.
3: Most yeah, these aren't. So like, let's
2: talk about those calls. Cause I'm going to be really honest with you. Sure. So I'm, um, I'm just a little girl from Maine who like our biggest city is l- like probably a town for you guys. Okay. Like, so, you know, Boston is like a big deal to me just to give you an idea. So, okay, and okay. m- you know. I was a city cop in Maine, but that's nothing like Atlanta. So tell me, like, what, tell me about, like, how you handled all those calls and, like, like, what was really traumatizing for you? Like, do you have a, like a specific
3: call that you felt was oh. traumatizing? Oh, yeah, for sure. Two of them always, I still think about them to this day. Mm. Um, one call, it was on Valentine's Day. I'll never forget it. It was my very first call of the day. Um a person down call so you you never know what that can be and like I said I lived in the I worked in the bluff so it was um it's a movie called snow in the bluff if you look that up it's going to tell you everything about zone one okay um so I'm thinking like okay it's 7 a.m 6 30 a.m like somebody's probably drunk on you know I'm just I'm thinking like you know and even though they train you to think the worst I wasn't prepared so I get to the house and this woman comes out crying and, you know, of course I secure her and I go in the house and it's two men in there just shot up from head to toe, just dead. Like this guy's brains was in his chit bag. He oh, was not no. expecting this. The other guy would just slipped back on the couch as if he was laying down and got up and was shot. And they even shot the dog in the head. Oh. So it was just horrible. It was horrible. And um, of course... My backup and everybody comes and we secure the scene. We do everything that we, you know, have to do. Um, but that was it. You know what I mean? That was it. So we were just like, okay, uh, clean yourself off, and here's your next call. You know what I mean? Um, and it sucks that you were on that for four hours because we've been handling your beat. You know what I mean? Like we've been handling. Yeah. So hurry up and get back to it. Um, yeah. So that I didn't get to. Um, really wrap my head, you know what I mean, around that, yes. that really, that, that really stuck to me, the second one was, uh, I had a 12-year-old girl, it was a car accident, and when I tell you, this has changed my life, even driving now, because the car accident was so minor, on the outside, but when I got there, this 12-year-old girl, and I'm sorry, you know, this kind of, but I think everybody here, cops, okay, so her brains was all over the ceiling. and her parents kept asking me is she okay the whole time and 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 by that time fire was there and fire was like hey we can't you know we can't do anything at this point uh we're just you know waiting on you guys to see what you guys want to do and uh, her parents i put her parents in my car and they're like is she okay and they have fragment all over them you know they don't even uh, so she she was laying like this you know how you're on you're driving and you're on the door and you're just laying down and that's where the car hit so Aww. the impact hit right where where she was kind of they were taking her to the dentist office so it was early so she was just like sleeping you know and that's where the impact and it was just everywhere uh, her name is damalia i'll never forget because they were screaming her name trying to get Aww. her attention Aww. because i wouldn't answer the question was she okay Aww. so and it was the same thing. Okay, wrap this call up. Here, let's move on, to the, move on to the next call. You know, oh. um, we had an officer who had to stop a woman, you know, with this weapon right in front of us, you know, of course. Um, so that was traumatic. It was just a lot. And this was normal. Yeah. This was nor. This was normal. This is like, oh, what happened? Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I heard about it. This was normal. And it was no counseling and one of my um so you know how you're in the academy i don't know if you guys do this but you, they give you a buddy right and you're with that person the whole time so you have to go to the bathroom with that person you have to walk in the hall with that person you have to and i guess teaching about partnership or whatever so uh, his name was a so he was my partner um we were at hell week in swat and it's this bell so they kick your butt and if you can't take anymore you got to go ring the bell And when you do, you're kicked out the academy. Damn. So Way's like, I'm about to ring the bell. You know, my nickname was OG. And he said, I'm about to ring the bell. And I'm like, no, we got this. You know what I mean? Like, we got this. And he's like, no. So he walks over, he rings the bell and they just treat him like crap. Like, get your, get out of here, go, get out of here. So he leaves. He comes back to the academy that next morning and everybody's like, what are you doing here? Like, the thing is, if you quit, you're gone. And um, so the whole class kind of treating them like trash because they're like, you're a quitter, you quit, whatever. So he ends up, you know, uh, coming to the department. I mean, the department. He ends up graduating, coming through the department. This is a maybe a year later maybe a year later so I'm at a Burger King we call it a five nine so we five nine together you know the little buddy oh yeah the car oh yeah so I pull up I'm like what's up you know he was zone four I'm zone one but we had this middle at this uh Burger King so I'm like hey what's up how's it going he's like yeah you know things are crazy these sergeants are on me and I'm like yeah you know they on me too you know whatever so we're talking crap about our sergeants and um I got a phone call that night that he shot himself in the head that night,
2: um, that night fuck.
3: with his service weapon. Yeah. And that blew my mind because it showed me that officers, some are more, you know, it, it, it just blew, it just blew my mind. Like I just yeah. couldn't, you know, and so they had this meeting where they talked to us about it, but they were just like, we should have just let him quit. We We should have just let him quit when we did that. That's on us all right, let's keep it moving, Mm -hmm. you know, and they didn't come to his funeral,
2: you know, and, and Danielle, that's the problem, and, and yeah, yeah, and and like you said, I mean, no one gives a fuck about you guys or anything
3: else, yeah, and that's why, that's when I knew they don't care about me, you know what I mean, like, they, they don't care about me, and that's when that hit me, like, yo, this man just took his service weapon that night, you know, it was such a shock because I had, you know how you just see somebody. Yeah. And I'm just sitting buddy, buddy with this guy. He's not yeah. really telling me everything because of this code of that you have to be so strong and you have to be, no, like, I wish he would have told me like, no, I, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. I went through that time of just blaming myself. Like I should have asked him mm-hmm. more questions. Yeah, I should have to. said something. Maybe he would have been alive, you know, seeing how the department didn't even show up for his funeral. So, you know, his family and friends are kind of looking like they don't understand why APD is not there, but they're like, hey, he didn't die in the line of duty. So, you know, so those are a few traumatic things that just rocked me.
2: Listen to her, a few. Let me tell you something. Normal people would be put right the fuck out if they dealt with this shit. So, girl, like, yeah, this is humongous. So can I ask you something? Sure. Do you think... Do you think, obviously, we've had a lot of political events, right? The George Floyd. We've had a lot of things go on, okay? Yeah. In your opinion, do you think that because it becomes so kind of normal in the cities that to just kind of pull your gun because you're in, like, fucking gunfight? It's like, you might feel like you're in gunfights. It might feel like you're just constantly dealing with stuff like that. Do you feel like that is what perpetuates, like, these... You know, officer involved shootings that may not be, may or may not be justified. Like, wh- what's your opinion on it?
3: Mm, I think that it's so what's the word that I'm looking for? It's situational. Yeah. You know, like you can't group all of these things into this one situation. Mm-hmm. I know when all the people that I pull my gun out on it wasn't like the last one. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? No, hundred percent. You know what I mean? It was never, Oh, this is just like the last time I had to pull my gun out. On yeah, yeah. It
1: yeah.
3: was never like that. It was always something totally different. I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think with the, everything that's going on, um, yes, I've seen some things that I'm like, yo, that was totally unjustified. That's horrible. And then I've seen some things being experienced as a Ex police officer, like, no, he shouldn't have done that. Like, he got verbal commands. Mm -hmm. He didn't follow these verbal commands. And this is what happens, right? Right. But I think the department and the community don't have enough conversation. And Mm -hmm. I think that's on the role of the department to talk about. I think they don't have conversation. I don't think they have enough conversation with the community. And for me, especially the Black community as far as where i was because yeah. it's such a not i'm not saying just the black community where we have to have these conversations i'm saying in my experience what a lot of people that i know with my father being a black man my boyfriend yeah. being a black man my brother is a black man i am a police officer and the miscommunication of what's expected from a police officer to a civilian interaction is so it, it's so up in the air yeah. And I think if they did more having more conversation of what's expected, then we can we can come somewhere. And I actually held one of these meetings. I don't know if you're familiar with Morehouse College here in Atlanta, but it's a it's a all boy all uh, boys college um, HBCU, so a, a black college. And we had one of those meetings, and it was really good. Did our chief come? I think um, I think maybe our chief came. Um, cool. Some other what we call white shirts. Uh, just higher up in rank, they came and we had some young men there, some black men, and they were able to, in in a great environment where conversation, we were able to have conversation and it was really good. And they left informed like, and they were asking questions and it was these simple questions. And they were like, well, when I get pulled over why do I have to wait so long? And why do so many officers, why does it take five people like I'm a murderer? And not understanding like, hey, if I pull up to your call and one of my buddies here that I'm on a call by myself, he's going to come by and check on me. Wouldn't you do that to your friend? And they're like, oh, yeah. So it's not really about me. It's about just checking on each other. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was me. I thought, you know, it's why is it five cars here? And it's yeah. like we're really talking about what we're about to go eat once we get done with you.
1: No
2: kidding.
3: No kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is, this is what we're probably talking about. Um, so we were able to break down some of those walls, which were great.
2: That's beautiful.
3: I think yeah. more conversations
2: like that need to happen.
3: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So,
2: basically, what brought you to the day that you were like, "All right, I'm done. Fuck this."
3: Okay, I um, so again, my relationship with God, I'm in prayer, and God's like, You're miserable, right? And I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely, I'm miserable. I love helping people, I love people. And God was just speaking to me and was like, Because I didn't call you to be a cop, this is something that you chose to do, and you didn't come to me right as as your creator you didn't come to me and say hey what do you want me to do with this life that i gave you so you chose to be a cop but god is such a gentleman he's not going to force anything on us and a lot of people think that like he's a gentleman and he is not forcing anything and he protected me you know through that whole time and i said okay god what do you want me to do so really quick i'm gonna try to make this quick so my testimony is that okay my husband's gone Right. We just divorced. He divorced me. I'm an alcoholic. I'm hating my job. I'm just rock bottom. Right. I'm going to see counselors within a department, but that's not working. You know what I mean? And I have supervisors like, you need to get back to work. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When are you coming back? Right. Um, so that pressure. So I end up going to Ohio. I'm from a very small town in Ohio. I end up going there, and it was around my birthday. Um, so of course I'm going to go to the club, you know, it's my birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, my dad throws this party for me at the club. This girl is there. I've never seen this girl before a day in my life, but the day before that I said, God, it's it's a new year for my life. I feel you calling me, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give up. Cause I'm looking at him, like I said before, like this master and not a protector. So I'm not ready to stop this, 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 and this. So just give me some more time. So I go to the party, meet this girl. Well, I'm at the party and this girl walks up to me and she's like, hey, I follow you on social media. And I kind of got that a lot, really? you know? So I'm like, okay, cool. And she was like, yeah, I came. I heard you were in town. I came to the party and I want to meet you. So I'm like, great. So she's like, can I get a picture with you? No problem. So we take the picture and in the matter of the iPhone camera flash, she falls like this, face first, no. right? face first and I'm looking like dang she almost pulled me down like in my birthday outfit you know what I mean like a black girl don't want to fall yeah not in her birthday outfit yeah so um so I'm you know I go to try to help her and something in me was like help her her friend runs over and was like oh she's just drunk but I'm a cop so I'm not gonna leave somebody just on the ground right Mm -hmm. so I realized her head her eyes are rolled in the back of her head so you know, my dad's with me at the club because, you know, me and my dad. Mm-hmm. So my dad's like, come on, let's take her to the emergency. So I'm doing CPR. We get her to the emergency room. They rip her from my arms. I felt something when they took her away from me. Like, it, I, I can't even explain it even now. They start doing CPR on her. And then they start putting this tube down her throat. Oh, no. I couldn't understand that at the time. I'm like, and so I couldn't understand that. So he says, what does she drink? And I'm like, I don't even know her name. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. well, what did she eat? If I don't know what she drank or her name, I don't know what she ate. She asked me for a picture and we're here. And about 15 minutes later, the nurse walks over to me and says, I'm sorry, we lost her. And she had had a massive heart attack. And in that moment, I heard God, and of course not audibly, but say yesterday you asked for more time, didn't you? as if the breath in your lungs actually belonged to you. It belongs to me. And I have a job for you to do in this earth. And I saw her die physically. And I died that that old self that just felt like, I just want to do what I want to do. And, and in that moment, I said, oh, I got to do what he's telling me to do. And not in fear that he's going to kill me. You know what I mean? It wasn't that, but it was, it was just showing me that I was taking time for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really taking time as if I'd have tomorrow. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. realizing like this is a gift. Every mm-hmm. single moment we're breathing alive, we're living, we can talk, we can see, it is a gift. So that changed me. And from that point on, I've studied the Bible for about 4 years. No. Yes, yeah, I did the Bible for about 2 to 3 years and i just hit the ground running like hey let me tell y'all about jesus let <laughs> me everybody who was listening let me tell you how he has changed my life how he is real and what i went through mm. i get back to the i get back to atlanta right just had mm-hmm. this crazy experience get back to atlanta and i'm just i'm not only am i physically burnt out i'm like what am i doing here yes. so i'm driving down the street y'all and Something told me, I'm not going to say this God. something told me, I didn't want to go to this 911 call because my hair was like on top of my head that day. I was looking crazy. So I'm like, let me go back to my POV, grab my hat, and I'm going to head to this call. So I go back, throw throw my hat on, I'm headed to the call, the call escalated. So of course I put my lights and sirens on, I'm going there, and a truck comes out of nowhere and just slams right, uh, what is it called? Um, T-boned you? not t-bone but just uh head first i don't know head first or whatever that's called i jump out the car because i don't want to be in there smoke everywhere and i jump out the car my leg was dislocated i fell to the ground y'all my patrol car is still driving at this point it's like still (laughs) going forward oh my god Um, so I, i get on desk duty of course so now i'm sitting on desk duty and i'm like i need to go so yeah. now I am just emotionally, spiritually, I'm out of it. Now, yeah. when I say I started having suicidal thoughts? I'm not going to say suicidal thoughts, but I was having thoughts like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yes. I don't want to be alive anymore yes. because I lost my husband. I'm an alcoholic. My job is horrible. I'm not making an impact. I'm sitting on desk duty. I just got in an accident. I want to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I think dying would be easier than this. Mm -hmm. Um, so they end up putting me on, uh, what is it called? Third shift or what do we, morning watch. Okay. They end up putting me on this desk duty on morning watch. So from 11 to 6 AM. And I was trying to tell them like, Hey, I'm on medication. So I can't be up that late. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? All Mm -hmm. night. And and I'm falling asleep and everything. Mm -hmm. So it just got too much. So then a friend of mine was like, you look horrible. You should go to the ER. So I went to the ER and they were like, you're totally dehydrated. Like you're, you know, that's pretty much it's anxiety. You're dehydrated. You just need some time off. But I knew I couldn't get time off. I knew I couldn't go to the department. Um, I knew they would call me crazy or 24, the word that we call. I knew there was nowhere for me to go. And then at that moment, again, I hear God. and He's like, will you finally let go? Mm. Will you finally let go? And it's up to you. And I called my supervisor, that sergeant. And I said, I'm done. I said, I'm not coming in. And she said, oh, you are coming in. And I said, no, I'm not. And I hung up that phone. And that was the last time. <laughs> i walked in there as an officer and i slept so good that night when i tell you i didn't have to worry about paperwork i didn't have to worry about asking for time off and i didn't care what was gonna happen i slept like a baby it was just like all that weight of the Mm. department felt like it just came off my chest and i felt like god was like this is what i was trying to give you Mm. this is what i was trying to to show you so i love it
2: it so much and so what did you do like in the in the meantime, like while your business was growing, what did you do?
3: Oh, I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> I panicked and I worried and I stressed and I uh cried and I spent my money. Um, I spent all the money I had. I moved in with a family member, so I had to humble myself because we you all know, I, yeah, I lived in Atlanta, had a nice I worked my EJ $60 an hour, you know what I mean? At Benning mm-hmm. that I had been on for three years. So I was making my money, nice little, you know, apartment. And now I'm in my aunt's house, you know, shared a bathroom with somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you know, and then losing that title of like a cop. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I'm a civilian ill. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I'm um, happy to kind of go through that. But then, then again, God was just like, you're never going to get to this place with me unless you just let go yeah and that's the hardest part for people to do especially somebody like me who wants to be in control of everything Mm -hmm. let go and I just said okay like I'm gonna let go but I'm still about to ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean um and I just had to go through that I had to just go through that until Mm -hmm. things started to turn around you know I feel like God he cares more about our character than our comfort yes Right. He's like, I want to change your heart. I want to change your character. And if that causes you to be uncomfortable for a while, you'll oh, make it. Well. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I love it. Love it so much. So Danielle, what do you want to leave
3: everybody live with? I think the first thing is you can't help anyone unless you're healthy. Mm. Unless you are healthy, but you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And you taking care of yourself is not, because I feel like first responders are people who put people before themselves. They are. Mm -hmm. They're loving, caring people who put people before, but also have to understand you. in order for you to do that, you have to make sure that you're okay. And it's okay to step back however long you need and not letting anybody rush you or push you or make you feel, no, I need to, if you do, I need to step back. And I need to get healthy, whether that's because the brain is a muscle like anything else. Like if somebody broke their leg, people would give that person time to walk again. Mm -hmm. But if you are mentally going through something, you don't get that same time. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just saying, just teaching, treating your brain like this is a muscle, my heart, this is a muscle. And Mm -hmm. if it's weak, I can't be any good to anyone. So I would leave, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. Yep.
2: Yep. Absolutely. I just couldn't agree with you more. You got to be selfish. You got to fill that cup up. Danielle, where can, ahead. where can everybody find you on social Thanks. medias? Yes.
3: Yeah, so it's Danielle to um, on IG and all of my information is on that page.
2: Cool. So that so we then- can get to your
3: shop from there. Yeah, you can get everywhere. You can DM me, hit me up, anything you want to talk about. Honestly, I'm here. And uh, again, I don't have all the answers because I don't know, actually Jesus. Um, yeah, but I, s- I am, I I would love to be a listening ear. And it's some stuff that I need help with too. So having a community and having people that we can just lean on one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Yes, And you guys are all iron and we can sharpen and help one another get, get through this. I love it. Thank you, you know?
2: so much, Danielle, for coming on. This has honestly been one of one of the, my favorite episodes oh, that i've, that I've thank done thank you oh.
3: thank you guys too thank you guys that are still there and you know what you guys are doing um yeah you're just you're so appreciated
2: thank you so much sheepdog nation we'll see you next
0: time they bear me in the water and i came i knew ha, ha. now i'm This ain't no green screen movie, don't compare it to. We look at your actions in the elements, and everything relevant. If they line up, prepare to pay the consequence. You do dirt, you get cussed, no bluff. It's ignorant to think we will shoot with your hands up if you the police. You feel the world is against your life. every call you go to people trying to tempt you. Well, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, I ride worry you want my life come take it it's gonna be a fight i take you to the light like will and bright i wouldn't expect you to understand what i do only the thin blue line cause they baptized in blue uh. <laughs> i'm a fighter i'm a winner never quit i refuse to lose i got heart and i got grit. i'm a warrior
1: that been baptized in blue i'm a warrior that's been baptized in blue i'm a fighter
0: can't explain the pain when i see a name on the wall all i feel is rage put me in a cage let me brawl sometimes i can't help but cry like why right, did he die i know it was him but it could have been i what about the kids uh, what about the spouse yeah now who gonna put food inside them baby's mouth it's a big a picture when the officer down domino effect, blue nation, family country and town, the media don't cover us, huh. well maybe Fox, cause MSNBC and CNN surely don't care about cops, Politician more concerned about protecting the legal instead of laying the law down and protecting the people, let me get off my soapbox, before I curse, I don't see em. way too many cops riding in hearse, well I wouldn't expect you to understand what I do, only the thin blue light, cause they baptized in blue uh, I'm a fighter, I'm a winner, never quit. I refuse to lose. I got hard and I got grit. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue, I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue, I'm a fighter, never winner, never quit. I refuse
1: to lose. I got hard and I got grit. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue, I'm a warrior. Just
0: been baptized in blue. If I'm faced with a mission, I'm gonna complete it. I live with the credence. I do this for the combat. That's Leo's when I'm suited, ready to go. It's either friend or foe. Only Lord knows what my future's in store. I only kill with the hope to see more. So God don't close that door. If I take a life, it's him or me. With the host to survive, not big tree. I go in situations that you cannot imagine. Deal with things that you cannot fathom. No it's but, so rather. I'd rather fight for cause than live for nothing. So when you read my head, don't you know I die for something? You hypersensitive, she can play by justified force. You blame the cops first, that don't work. You blame the courts. But I wouldn't expect you to understand what I do. Only the thin blue line, cause they baptized in blue. Oh, I'm a fighter, I'm a win. Never quit. I refuse to lose. I got hard and I got gritty. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized
1: in blue. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. I'm a fighter. Never win or never quit. I refuse to lose. I got hard and I got gritty. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. Uh.